Yes. Our final keynote to close out the very first inaugural emerge. Yes. Ricky Williams, former NFL player and Heisman Trophy winner who began his healing journey when he sought relief from deep physical and emotional trauma incurred from decades of intense play. Throughout his career as a professional athlete, Ricky was often criticized for his belief in the healing power of cannabis. Dissatisfied with traditional Western medicine and addictive pharmaceuticals, he found medical marijuana to be the safest, most effective, and most natural treatment option. While he found peace and relief in his healing, cannabis also complicated his storied NFL career, which ultimately opened the doors to his new life path as a holistic healer. Ricky is viewed as a leading visionary in the movement toward a cannabis-based approach to wellness. Ricky has become well-known for his work as a holistic healer and has immersed himself in the study of evolutionary astrology, as well as other healing modalities, including Ayurvedic medicine, cranial, cranial sacral therapy, meditation, pranic healing, and yoga. He just nod because I got it right. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> With his wife, Linnea, Ricky co-founded Real Wellness in 2017 to help share his story and bring his vast healing knowledge to others. Ricky is currently pursuing his doctorate in Chinese medicine and continues to help clients around the world gain a deeper understanding of their lives through his evolutionary astrology practice. Please welcome your final keynote speaker of the inaugural Emerge Virtual Cannabis Conference, Ricky Williams. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, I want to say it's an it's an honor to be the closing keynote speaker. Um, you guys mentioned astrology. I'm a Gemini, and I like to talk, and so this is this is wonderful. Um, and you know, part of my bio, and, and it's and I really enjoy hearing it because it's a it's a great reminder about where I've come from, and but more importantly, um, where I'm headed. And it's not just me. I think it's where everyone is, is headed. And so, uh, you know, you guys mentioned that I started off as a professional football player, um, had a wonderful collegiate football career in college, made the next, uh, made the jump to the next level to play in the NFL, where I discovered uh, cannabis. And at the time, you know, it, it seems like so long ago, but at the time, you know, people's attitudes about cannabis were, were still quite uh, archaic. And specifically, the NFL had very strict rules about cannabis use. And I failed a, a test, a drug test in the NFL, and I was put into the NFL's uh, substance of abuse program. And the nature of this program was uh, I felt like a criminal is, you know, anytime I had to leave town, I, I had to call the NFL, tell them where I was going, the address I was staying, so they could make sure to test me 365 days of the year. And as I started the program, I was being tested nine times a month. And, and that's, that's a whole bunch. Um, you know, this, uh, this went on for two years, and I was able to, to pass all the drug tests and, and continue my NFL career. Actually, the year that I failed the test was the year that I led the NFL in rushing. Um, so interesting connection there. But eventually, uh, through smoking cannabis, um, you know, and it, it's interesting, the stigma was was such that people assumed that I was a partier or uh, a lazy pothead. But the truth is, um, cannabis helped me to heal. At the time, I didn't understand this. At the time, there wasn't really very many people talking about medicinal marijuana. Um, but I had a sense that, you know, doing this 
consuming cannabis is really contributing to my life. Um, on the football field, it, it helped me to recover. You know, there's something physically, emotionally, mentally, and in some ways, even spiritually, being a professional athlete, especially a professional football player, is, is quite difficult. And it's a, it's a great example, but the truth is all of us in our lives go through things, you know? And it's, I don't know what it is, if it's just human nature or what, but it seems like the only way that we truly grow and evolve and transform is by going through some kind of traumatic crisis or some traumatic experience. And so, and I learned this as a football player is every Sunday I was going through, you know, 20 to 30 car wrecks. And so these traumatic experiences. And I started to realize that if I'm going to put my body through this kind of intensity, I need to also think about healing at some certain similar level of intensity. And um, so after practice, you know, I go home and my body was hurting and I was stressed about the upcoming opponent. And my ritual of, of rolling, a, rolling a joint and, and smoking a joint or two at night really helped my body to recover. But more importantly, it helped my mind and my spirit to recover. You know, I've, I've heard Steve D'Angelo talk about, um, about the oh shit moments, you know, and he talks about at the end of the day, um, coming home and, and consuming cannabis and then re reflecting on his day and those moments where he did something that he wasn't, that he wasn't proud of. And then in his mind, correcting it and, and, and doing something about it, okay? Um, this is something that I'm gonna come back to later as I, as I expound on the healing qualities of, of cannabis, but, but let's remember this, okay? And so, you know, my own ritual, it helped me to be prepared to go back to work the next day and go at it again, okay? But eventually I got to a point where I realized you know, the lifestyle that I'm trying to create where I'm headed isn't consistent with my job as a football player. And I decided to retire from the NFL. And it was a very scary moment because, you know, I, the moment before I picked up the phone to call the NFL and tell them that I that they can take their job and shove it. I, you know, they say before you die, your whole life flashes in front of you. And I've, I had one of those moments where I went to pick up the phone. And as I picked up the phone, I saw my whole life flash in front of me. And I realized that every experience that I'd had in my life had been defined by me as a football player. And I was taking, you know, taking the courageous step to, uh, to set that down and, and move on to what was next for me. And thank goodness I made the call. And, you know, after this, you know, my life was wide open and I had a lot of questions. Okay. A piece of the story that I'm leaving out is before the suspension, it was made public that I failed the test for, uh, for failing, uh, for smoking marijuana. And, uh, it was, it was stressful for me, you know, because again, at the time there's such a heavy stigma on cannabis use that, uh, I was worried that I was going to ruin my life and ruin my career. So instead of going through that embarrassing experience, I realized it's time for me to do something else. And I, and I, started to travel around the world, okay? But one of the lingering questions in the back of my mind is, is it true what the media is saying that I'm the world's biggest underachiever, that I'm throwing my life away for this planet? And, you know, as I, as I went on my way, that question haunted me in the back of my mind, okay? So on my travels, 
I'm in Australia and um, there's a famous picture in a, in a GQ article with my foot uh, sticking out of a one man tent. And so I, I was in Australia and I decided to live a more, you know, rugged lifestyle. And so I bought a tent and started to live on a campground. And as I, you know, milled around the campground, I came in contact with a lot of different people. And one of the people I came in contact, we struck, we struck up a really interesting conversation and he handed me over a book. And the book was on something I'd never heard of called Ayurveda. Uh, and, you know, going through this, you know, this crisis in my life, I'd been doing a lot of thinking. And one of the ways I, I understood what was going on in my life was I started to think about cycles, you know, in, in seasons, right? Every year we get spring, um, then comes summer, fall, and winter. And, and these cycles go on and on. And something in nature that I noticed was when a season moves from spring to summer, right? Or from summer to fall or fall to winter, you know, fall to winter is a good one because the trees start to lose all their leaves, right? Um, they're beautiful leaves. They start to fall off and the trees don't freak out because they know that the cycle is coming back around. They're used to this cycle. And so as I started to, to, to wrestle with the idea of I'm leaving my identity as a football player, uh, it made sense to think of, okay, this is just part of the cycle and the season of football for me has, is coming to an end. And now a different season is starting to begin. I had no idea what that season was, but I had a sense that it was coming. And so this, this book on Ayurveda was very welcome because it helped me understand and, and give me a way to think about cycles. Okay. So fast forward a couple months, I fly back to the States and I come to the realization that I've been a football player my whole life and I don't have any skills. There's nothing that I really know how to do except for play football. And so I started thinking to myself, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And as soon as I had that thought, that book on Ayurveda popped into my mind. And so, of course, I went on Google and I Googled Ayurveda, wondering if there was a place that I could study this stuff in the United States. And Synchronicity had it, that there was a program that began in two weeks. And so I signed up for this program and I started to study this thing called Ayurveda. So within two weeks of studying Ayurveda, uh, I came across a reference to cannabis sativa uh, in, the, in the textbook. And for me, that was really the first time that I started to consider and think about cannabis as medicine, okay? And you know, as further into my Ayurvedic journeys, I traveled to India to, to, to deepen those studies. And as I was driving up the Himalayas, and I was with my teacher and we're driving up the Himalayas and I look out the window and I just see for miles, miles, cannabis growing in the wild. Um, blew my mind. I, I get up to my hotel and I'm, you know, walking up the steps to my hotel. And as I look to the, to the side, walking up the steps, you know, kind of like weeds, there's literally cannabis growing everywhere. And, and again, you know, this is back in 2004. And it was a huge wake up call for me when I realized, you know, what I've been told, what we've been taught about cannabis is, is actually not the whole truth. And that cannabis has a much deeper and richer history. And at this time for me in my life, it was a very welcome realization and started to help me come to terms with my relationship with cannabis. Okay? And so as I continued to study uh, Ayurveda, I 
I moved into the herb lab. And one of the things about Ayurveda is, you know, it's been around for over 5,000 years and they don't use pharmaceuticals. You know, their form of medicinals are herbal medicines, herbal medicines. And so as I'm looking through some of the textbooks, I find this book written in the 1970s on Ayurveda and it has a whole chapter dedicated to cannabis. And as I started flipping through this book, trying to get a different approach, a different perspective on this, this plant, I was, I was blown away, you know, because at, at this time, Ayurveda in India, they have a much richer, deeper history with this plant, specifically how it's used medicinally. And as I looked in the book, the way they classified the plant, they listed certain professions um, that in the Indian culture were allowed to consume cannabis. Okay. And uh, one of those professions were uh, people doing hard physical labor. Okay. And as a professional football player, I definitely could relate to that. Uh, the other, another interesting uh, group of people that were allowed to consume cannabis in their culture were the philosophers, were the philosophers. And, you know, I, I self-identify as, as a bit of a philosopher. So this is really speaking to me. And really, again, changing my perception about, about this plant. And as I dove even deeper into my studies and started to learn how, in Ayurveda, how they used cannabis, um, I realized that, you know, as we look at, even the way we look at medicinal marijuana in the West, we tend to still look at it from an allopathic Western medical perspective, okay? And, and I think it's wonderful that we're embracing the idea of medicinal marijuana, but I, I think my suggestion, and I, I think this is a rich area for, for moving us into the future, is to consider looking at cannabis uh, medicinally as an herb and approaching it the way that herbalists approach herbal medicine. And, and I think that if we can do this, we can start to, to understand uh, how to use cannabis in a way that maximizes the benefits and ameliorates the side effects. Okay, so as an example, you know, and mentioned in the bio was that I'm currently studying uh, Chinese medicine, another holistic um, alternative health system that has been around for several thousand years that uses herbs primarily as their, as their medicinals. And there's a long history in Chinese medicine of, of using cannabis. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the most prescribes, uh, prescribed medicinals in China are, um, are hemp seeds. They're, they're considered a laxative. So if you um, are having dry stools, um, check out hemp seeds. Um, so, you know, I'll give you an example of what I mean by looking at cannabis the way that herbalists look at cannabis. All right. So from an alternative perspective, um, this is this is Ayurveda. This is also Chinese medicine. And I'm sure most other natural types of medicine, you know, is they, they say a couple of things. They say, first, you have to understand the person coming to see you. Okay. Second, secondly, you have to understand the imbalance that the person is is suffering from. And third, you have to understand the potential medicinals that you can use to prescribe to the person to help that bring them back into balance. Okay. And, you know, today we, it, it's common to hear the terms 
um, traditional medicine, holistic medicine, alternative medicine. Um, but, but really what it comes down to when we translate that word into um, our American vernacular, it, it really is preventative medicine, right? It really is preventative medicine. You know, in Chinese medicine, they have a saying that giving someone um, medicine after they, they're already sick is like forging your weapons after the battle has begun, right? And so, you know, to start with, if, we're, if we start to think about um, cannabis in a, in a more natural alternative healing herbalism perspective, we can start to think of how can we use cannabis to prevent illness and to prevent disease, okay? Um, that's, that's definitely one, one question and, and one issue, all right? Secondly, you know, what I mentioned is the idea of, of understanding the patient or understanding ourselves, okay? Uh, a, a simple example is one of the first things that, that you learn in, as an herbalist or natural medicine is something as simple as temperature, right? That some people run hot and some people run cold. You know, there's some people that, you know, in the winter, um, you know, they're, they don't like to wear pants or they don't like to wear a jacket because they, they tend to run hot or their face is always flushed or red because naturally they tend to run hot. Or there are some people in the summer, right? You have some friends, usually women in the summer, right? They have a couple of sweaters on and a scarf, right? These are people that tend to run cold. And so from an herbalist perspective, someone comes in and they're having some issue or some ailment that's going on. One of the first things that I try to decipher, is this a disease where there's too much heat, not enough heat, too much cold, not enough cold, okay? Uh, next thing, right, I, I try to understand, is this what we call an excess or a deficiency, right? An excess is, you know, someone has too much of something that they don't need. A deficiency is someone doesn't have enough of what they, of what they need. Uh, a good example is, you know, someone is having a difficult time gaining weight, okay? If, if it's an excess, right, it, it could mean, well, usually someone having difficult time gaining weight, it means that there's some kind of deficiency, right, that their body isn't able to transform their food into, into tissue, into, into sustenance. And so we have to find a way to deal with that. And this is a, is a good way, a good opportunity for someone to prescribe cannabis, right, is that what we found with cannabis is cannabis is wonderful at increasing, increasing the appetite, okay? But also an example here, we noticed that when we consume cannabis, that our eyes get red, okay? Um, and sometimes we can feel the energy rush to our head and there's a throbbing in our head, okay? This is a sign of the nature of the cannabis plant, is that it's a heating or a warming plant, is that when we consume it, right, we see the signs of heat, i.e. red eyes. And heat also, the digestive fire, starts to stoke, and this is what creates the munchies or the hunger, right? That digestive fire starts to burn and it needs some fuel. It needs something to, to be put into the body, okay? Um, and, you know, these are just very rudimentary uh, examples of the difference in the way that we use natural medicine. And I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm disparaging Western medicine or science because I think this is, this is, this is a big part of it. But again, my main point here is the starting point is, is how do we keep people healthy? How do we prevent illness and how do we prevent disease? And how can we use 
cannabis in order to, to do that. Okay. So back to my personal story. So I, I spent this, it ended up being a year away from football where I, I traveled and I studied Ayurveda and I started to change my relationship to cannabis. Okay. But at the same time, the team that I retired from the Miami Dolphins told me that they had the right to sue me for $9 million for breaching my contract. And that convinced me to come back and play for a couple more years. So I came back to play for a couple more years with a, a different set of understanding about healing, about my body and about wellness. And that last half of my career, I was able to move away from using pharmaceuticals. And, you know, right now people are talking about the opioid epidemic and the truth is hopefully it's changing a little bit, but when I played, you know, after a game, a trainer would come around the back of the train, about the back of the plane, and he'd have his pills ready, and he was handing them out to anyone who, who asked for them. And I can understand again because football is a brutal sport. But what really got me was one day I was sitting in the training room, and I was watching guys, players come in one after the other, after the other, after the other, taking their shot in the butt. And the shot in the butt is something we call tordal. And it's great because you take a Tordal shot, you don't feel any pain. You can practice, you can play, you feel like you're 12 years old. If you don't take the Tordal shot, for most guys, you feel like you're 85 years old, your whole body hurts, it takes half of the practice to get warm. And so, I, you know, but I'm just sitting there watching the guys come in and I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be another way, okay? But I was under some constraints because I was in the NFL drug program, again, being tested nine times a month, but had to figure out a way to do this. And so I developed a, 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 it was experimental because I definitely could have got caught and I would have been in a lot of trouble, but I developed a, an, ex, an experimental routine for myself. And what I would do is after practice, um, they would never test me two days in a row. So I know if I got tested on a Monday that I had at least two days um, before I was tested again. And so what I would do is I, I, I realized that I could take three hits um, from a joint and still pass a drug test the next day. And so uh, I, I had to get really conscious about my cannabis use. And so I would take two, two hits of my joint and I would go through one of the yoga routines that I, that I learned while I was studying Ayurveda. And what I started to find was by consuming the cannabis, it helped me to be more in touch with what was going on in my body which is a, a major difference if you think about the effect of pain, of pain medication. It's typically when we take pain meds, it's to cut ourselves off from what's going on in our bodies, okay? And this is, this is great if you're recovering from surgery, but if you're a professional athlete and you need your, your body and the awareness of your body is, a, is, a, is something that you desire, then cutting yourself off from your body, not a good idea. So I started to notice consuming cannabis helped me be in touch with my body. And as I went into the different postures and the different stretches, I could go into where I had tightness and, and really take care of my body from an internal perspective. Okay. And I found this to be a wonderful way to prevent me from dealing with injuries, from getting hurt. And, you know, after I, after I came back from my uh, suspension, I ended up playing the rest of my NFL career, not, not having to, to use pharmaceuticals and not having to deal with, with major injuries. And, and so, you know, this, this awareness of, of my own personal experiences and how to consume cannabis in, in ways that were 
healthy for me, again, highlighting the benefits, ameliorating the side effects, became a, a bit of a, a, a mission for me. And so after I retired, I went back to the University of Texas to get my to get my degree. And then I moved out to Southern California, where I started studying Chinese medicine. I started a PhD program in, uh, in Chinese medicine. And as I was doing that, I, was, I would go to all of my teachers and ask them what they knew about cannabis and, and what they thought about how to combine it with, with other medicinals. And finally, I found a teacher who sat down with me and really broke it down for me. And, uh, you know, what I've, I've done is I've parlayed that information, that knowledge into the company that my wife and I started, Real Wellness. And um, so several years ago, uh, a friend of mine, old teammate, Kyle Turley, and you guys might know him, he's, he's done a, a, a lot of advocacy work in the cannabis space. And he called me up and he said, hey, there's a big cannabis conference in Phoenix. Why don't you come and tell your story? And my first response to him was, they have cannabis conferences. You know, at the time I was living in Texas and, and it just blew my mind um, that this was going on. But I'd been receiving a lot of flack from people in Austin about my cannabis use. And so I, I kindly uh, told Kyle, no, thank you. Okay. I hung up the phone and waited a couple of minutes and started thinking about it. And I realized, you know, everyone knows I smoke anyway. So what does it matter? So I called him back up and I said, I'll do it. And I flew out to Phoenix. Uh, this was back in, in 2015. I flew out to Phoenix and had one of the most amazing experiences standing on a stage with several other retired athletes and speaking my truth, telling the truth for the first time about my cannabis use and how it helped me. Uh, aside from it being just a, a very powerful and cathartic experience, um, after I was done speaking, I was walking the floor of the conference and, and probably two dozen people came up to me and they, they shared with me stories about when I came out uh, after I retired for the first time with my cannabis use and, and said that it really empowered them, that they were dealing with parents or coaches or teachers that were giving them a hard time about their cannabis use. And as I went through that experience, uh, a saying of my mom's popped into my head that my mom would always say, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And, you know, something really stuck. And I started doing more and more of these conferences. And as I started to walk the floor of these conferences, people approached me and said, hey, you got to do something in this space. The, the, ind the industry is really growing. You, you really need to be a part of it. And so I started thinking to myself, if I'm going to step into the cannabis space, what do I want to do? And as I thought about it, uh, you know, I flashed back to going into dispensaries. And again, this was several years ago, going into dispensaries. And, and although in California, we were a medical state, you know, and I'd go to Colorado in a recreational state, both places looked exactly the same. I couldn't, I didn't understand why they called it medicinal marijuana. I didn't see very many medicinal products in the, in the stores. And so I started to think if I'm going to come into this industry, what I'd love to do is make medicine. And so I took the knowledge of, of studying herbs and I've taken my knowledge from my personal study of cannabis, but also the knowledge of my mentors and teachers. And I started to put together herbal formulas that combined uh, herbs that we hear about like chamomile, feverfew, angelica with cannabis. And we started off uh, launching in dispensaries and we had two vape cartridges. We had one called Serenity, which had six um, herbal 
herbal herbs that that are really good for relaxing us and settling us down and a three to one CBD to THC ratio. The other uh, vape we had was called the Head Ease, Head Ease, and was four herbs that are really great for headaches, specifically migraines, and um, also with THC. And we launched a couple of products in the CBD space. And, you know, it, it, was, it was very interesting um, introducing truly medicinal plants into the space. And from what, from what I could tell, um, attitudes of people still, still weren't ready. And I think if we're going to bring cannabis forward medicinally is, I think, again, I think we have to move away from the Western perspective of looking at cannabis, at least temporarily, to really understand how this plant works, where it comes from in its natural, in its natural milieu. And I think this is extremely, extremely important. And you know, I think related to this, and you know, there's so much going on in the in the world right now. And I think what I'm speaking about specifically right now, um, in my mind, is is how do we allow uh, cannabis to grow and to expand and to be able to reach and touch more more people. And I think it's up to us to be creative and and to reach out and and talk to people and really get feedback about their experiences, how they feel and what they think about this plant. Because a big part of what I'm noticing we have to do is we have to do a better job of storytelling. You know, there's been so many so many years of, of being told, of the story being put on us, of being conditioned about the story of what cannabis is. And I think in the, as, as it's emerging now, um, I think we have to be upfront about the way we tell stories with, with cannabis. And I understand we're, you know, we live in a world where allopathic Western medicine um, is, the, is the gold standard, but we're bringing something new and fresh. And uh, I'm gonna repeat it again. I think we need to refresh our perspective and our attitude in the way that we, we look at this plant. Okay? And you know, I don't wanna to sound too revolutionary, but, but I will. Institutionalized racism, it's about uh, equality and it's about making sure uh, that we take care of each other. Okay? And you know, to, to quote, uh, a line from one of my favorite Steel Pulse songs, okay? Uh, give us back our, our witch doctor, right? Give us back our witch doctor, okay? And, and I, you know, just a little bit of history lesson about how cannabis got to America. So when the Portuguese, they were the, big, the biggest slave traders. Um, when they went to West Africa, put the slaves on the ship and brought them first to South America, specifically Brazil. Um, one of the things that the slaves made sure to grab as they left their homeland were the seeds. And so they got to Brazil, they started to plant the seeds and cannabis started to grow. And the slave owners, because they saw that when the slaves consumed cannabis, that they worked harder and they, and they tended to complain less that the slave owners let them keep it. Well, the you know, this spread from Brazil all the way up through 
Central America, and finally up into the United States. And so I think specifically, and as, as you know, the race relations around cannabis in America have evolved, it's been one of the greatest tools uh, in the hands of law enforcement to persecute um, African-Americans, right? You know, the idea of, of finding a doobie uh, in someone's ashtray five minutes later, um, the man is in handcuffs having to go through the system, okay? Um, and, you know, I can go on and on and on about all the injustices that have mainly affected um, dark, dark-skinned, dark brown and black people uh, around, around cannabis. And, but the, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, outside of the, the politics and the war on drugs, is that I think there's something deeper here, is that um, usually brown people, come from more uh, collectivist indigenous cultures. And herbalism, um, including cannabis, was a very big part of, of our medicine. And so, uh, you know, with all of the work to, to try to create more equality, I think it's important to understand the roots and, and the possible deeper connections that we have to all plants, but specifically to, to cannabis. And, you know, to inform ourselves, to keep this in the back of our minds, as we think about moving into the future, how do we tell an inspiring, uh, different story about cannabis? You know, because, I, again, I study astrology, and so I'm always looking for timing of events. And one of the things that we astrologers talk about is what we call the outer planets. And there's Uranus. Um, Neptune and Pluto. And these planets move more slowly. And so they tend to carry uh, collective themes, okay? And the, the planet that we think about when we think of cannabis is the planet Neptune. Because, you know, when you smoke a little bit too much and you have that feeling you might see things or hear things or feel things that you don't when you're not smoking, this is the feeling of Neptune. It's that, that it connects us to to each other, but it also connects us to the to what is beyond. It's the idea of transcendence. Okay, Neptune right now, um, since since 2010, uh, has been in the sign of Pisces. Okay, and Pisces is the same energy as Neptune. So the idea is what's going on in the world essentially is everyone needs to chill the fuck out. Okay, this is what this is what it's saying, and it's not a coincidence that cannabis has started to gain in popularity and and be, become ubiquitous. I mean, in California, uh, COVID hits right, and the dispensaries are still open. Okay, this is this is not a this is not an accident. Okay, that we're, we've reached a time in humanity where this plant has something very valuable to offer us. And I think we can explore it through science. We can explore it through the Western medical lens. But I think we owe it to ourselves to expand our parameters and look at this from many different angles. Okay. And for me, this is the true definition of diversity. Right. It's not just the color of the skin. It's the variety of our own lived experiences and the perspectives and insights that we can come together and share to tell a more uplifting story to help us emerge out of these difficult and trying times. Right? Uh, I thank you all for listening to me uh, and giving me a chance to share my story. And hopefully I offered some interesting perspectives or insights 
to help you in your personal relationship with cannabis, but also your professional relationship with cannabis. And thank you. In this industry, no two businesses are the same. Even so, common threads do exist, and printing on demand is nearly always one of them. Loda Enterprises can help. Loda has over 30 years of experience in on-demand printing. Whether you need to print full-color primary display labels, lab results, or simply mark the plants you grow, Loda can show you how. Call us at 800-654-5331 or visit www.loda.com to learn how Loda can help you implement your unique vision successfully. 